Hey there, Nick Holmes here with another episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience, the podcast show that proves you do not have to be a Hall of Famer, a first-round draft choice, or even a high school standout for that matter, in order to make a living in the sport of baseball. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream, uh, where we prove to everyone that you do not have to be a Hall of Famer in order to make a living in the sport of baseball. And my guest today is even more proof. He is the current vice president of Jager Sports. Jager Sports is an elite arm care and mental training company for athletes, and they are based in Southern California. And uh, China works with the uh, athletes from top professionals, colleges, and high school teams. Um, and he's also really involved in the business development and operation side of things there at Jager Sports. China is an incredible guy, just a really down-to-earth uh, young man who is involved in a lot of different things outside of the business world. We'll hear more about his uh, new foundation, Athletes Against Anxiety and Depression. We'll find out about how he was drafted not once, but twice out of college as a top pitching prospect and decided not to sign a professional contract, but to continue his education. And without further ado, please sit back and relax and enjoy my interview with China McCarney. Hey, Ryan, man. How are you, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, no problem, Nick. I'm excited to be here. Really appreciate uh, getting to chat with you. So uh, tell everybody where you're at right now. We were uh, talking a little bit off air before, and you were um, telling me about the weather. Where, where are you right now? <laughs> I am in beautiful Southern California, Manhattan Beach, um, a spoiled Californians. I'm going through a little bit of a heat wave, so we're complaining about it being, you know, over 80 degrees. So the sky is falling in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. I miss that place a lot, I'll tell you. Sitting here in uh, Corner Brook, Newfoundland right now with, um, you know, overcast and a lot of rain, but sure, sure miss California. So look, yeah, why, don't we, uh, I, why don't we start off where all good stories start at the beginning and... Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like growing up in Southern California, a little bit about your childhood and uh, what your family was like. Yeah, no, born and raised SoCal, um, got involved in athletics very early on. My pops was a college football player before he went to the Air Force, and, you know, before I could walk, I had baseballs, footballs in my hand, kind of like a lot of boys do, and as I started to grow up... Um, when you get five years old, you start playing t-ball and all that stuff. Um, I played all the sports, um, baseball, basketball, soccer, um, and did that pretty much all the way up through high school. Um, I grew up in a very, very small town where basically you had one through three on your baseball team could throw and catch, and then the other six were more fascinated by picking the grass and looking at the planes in the sky while the game was going on. But... Um, <laughs> It was unique. It was a unique little town, and um, I played as many sports as I could until I guess I was 17 years old, and that's when they made me kind of pick one or the other, which is kind of unique even for my generation to play that many sports that long mm -hmm. um, because we see so many people specializing so early, and I think a lot of people are missing out on um, some good fun. But, uh, no, kind of a normal childhood, falling in love with the game, at a young age, playing Little League pony ball, and, you know, here we are 25 years later and still around the game. What was the name of that little town that you grew up in? 
So it was called Acton, or Acton, California, and Agua Dulce, California. Um, they're two very small towns, um, like 6,000 people or less, and, um, you know, very, very, very secluded, wide open. You, everybody had acres there. You're not kind of stacked on top of each other. A lot of wildlife, like coyotes and rattlesnakes and all that good stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not a lot of people that have heard of Agua Dulce, California, that's for sure. And that is uh, sweet water for those of you Spanish speakers out there, correct? <laughs> that's right. Well done, <laughs> sir. That's, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> I love it. You love it. So let's see. And then you went to Vasquez High School. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, Vasquez High School, about 500 students. I think I graduated with about 62 others. And, uh, yeah, it was. we had a unique little thing there where we had a good group of ball players that had kind of all gone, gone through the ranks um, together in our little Acton Pony League, and no, no sport had ever made the playoffs in the history of the school, and our baseball team made it um, to the quarterfinals my sophomore and junior year and then to the semifinals my senior year. Um, and we had some big arms, and we had about six and a half good players. So once you got to our seven, eight, nine hole, you were, you were pretty good to get some outs, but you had to <laughs> battle those first seven. <laughs> and if, and I'm I'm guessing that you were one of those big arms there, seeing as how um, pitching was your was your forte. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, we had me, uh, another right hander, and a left hander that all threw over eighty five. Which for our little town and our little division, it was that's huge. Um, tough to deal with, and I didn't mature physically till very late, seventeen, eighteen years old. Um, but I was fortunate when I was 12 years old. My dad was always looking for the, you know, the latest and greatest training, and um, he heard about a, a camp in Valencia, which is not too far from us, um, a Jager Sports Arm Care Camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went to that when I was 12 years old, and I just fell in love with the program and kind of stayed with that. And as my body started to develop, everything started to come together. And I think my junior year, I was 5'11", 135, which is a toothpick, but um, <laughs> I was throwing in the upper 80s, and then by senior year, I was topping out by about 94 off the mound, so it was pretty, pretty fun uh, process, that's for sure. Yeah, that's great, man. Would you say that uh, that program that, that you went through with Jager Sports had a lot to do with that increase in velocity? Um, I would definitely say it had a ton to do with me staying healthy and being able to train, and then yeah, the long cost part of the program definitely got whatever velocity was in my arm out. Um, it, you know, full yeah. disclosure right off the bat, I'm the vice president at Jager Sports now, so I'm going to be biased. But uh, <laughs> I definitely think um, it it played a huge role, and then it just kept me healthy as my body started to develop and you go through those physical changes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't any tendonitis or anything like that that a lot of people do uh, deal with as they're kind of, their bodies are developing. It's just, to be honest, I never thought about my arm. I never thought about it being sore or anything like that because I was doing the arm circles, J-bands, and right. just having fun playing the game. Yeah, you learned it early on enough that it just became a habit to where you didn't have to think about it later on. Um, yeah, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna touch more about that in the show uh, about your role at Jager Sports now that you know you started as a, a player going through the program and now you're uh, vice president there. So we'll we'll get to that as well. But I do want to 
touch on a little bit more about your playing career and uh, got a couple questions <laughs> going to, uh, you know, looked up your stats, of course, and, and your story and your background. And, and uh, what got me was drafted twice out of college, but did not sign. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Out of high school. So I was a, a big hitter in high school, too. I was a switch hitter. Oh, okay. I had power from both sides. I, I love playing the game. Um, in all capacity, and out of high school, we didn't know the process. We didn't have, you know, people in our corner that had gone through it before because of our town. There was never any prospects or anything. So when the scouts were asking us what it would take to sign and what round and different stuff, we were honest, which we found out later. You don't really want to be honest. You want to be as vague as possible so that you get drafted, and then you do all the negotiating and everything after that. Um mm -hmm. And so I didn't get drafted out of high school, which was um, shocking to all of us. And it was funny because I wanted to sign out of high school, and my dad wanted me to go to school and then mm -hmm. transition to college. I went to junior college and then to Division One, um, and uh, I got drafted after my junior year at Cal State Northridge, but I got drafted late. I was, I think, 19 units away from my degree, and I just was like, my degree, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel for my degree. I'm like, if I go pro right now, may I've not. just seen it too many times with other guys. You're not coming back to school. Yeah, you may not. And I want my degree. It was very important to me. And so what was funny is after my junior year of, uh, of college, I, my dad and I had the exact opposite of coming out of high school. My dad wanted me to sign. And I'm like, no, I'm staying in school. I'm getting my degree. <laughs> and um, the first time I was drafted, it was out of junior college, and it was kind of a draft and follow. And... They offered me a little money, but nothing to forego a Division One scholarship. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I just prioritized the education um, instead of the, the playing career. And um, that was kind of that. After I, I went back, got my degree, and um, went to Indy Ball later on, like two years later. But I uh, had a genetic arm injury that I had to get surgery on and never really played. Wow. So those of you out there listening, you young guys that are uh, looking at that, that decision between school and, and playing professional ball, um, this is a good example um, of uh, how important that education is because you, you never know how long the body's going to hold up. And, and now China has a degree in psychology. Uh, and a, is it a minor or a second degree in kinesiology as well? Yeah, I was a minor, and then I did a, like a postgraduate certification in sports and fitness psychology. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, it was, you know, just as you get older, mature a little bit, something switched where I started to like education <laughs> and was excited about it. So stayed in it as much as possible and still like taking courses and yeah. just continual, continuing to develop and research. I don't think you can really stop until you're no longer on this beautiful earth. Right. Right. Well, I, it seems to have worked out for you, too, because you found a career that uh, combines uh, not only your passion in baseball, but you actually are working, in, you know, in with the degrees that you um, that you acquired. So I think that's a tough thing for kids today. You know, you see a lot of college students come out of college with their degree in something and then they end up doing something completely different that has nothing to do with their you know journalism degree or, or whatever it may be. Um, 
right. So that's that's uh, that's great, man. Good for you. I'm glad to hear that. So, okay, so we're 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 through the college. You've you're done playing. You've had the arm injury. Walk us through a little bit about what you're feeling at this point in your life. I mean, is this? Are you regretting not signing at all on either one of those draft days, or are you uh, excited about the next chapter in your life? And did you see uh, a career in sports training or mental training ahead of you, or where are you at right now? Yeah, I mean, it it was an interesting experience for sure. I think the beginning, the transition from loving playing the game to looking at the game as a business and kind of at all of the opportunities around sports was right after high school. Like I said, I was a hitter. I was an athlete. I played soccer, football. Mm-hmm. I need to be moving around. And, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, to have the golden arm where you throw that Back in my day, you young kids out there, it was 90 miles per hour as a righty. That was your ticket. Um, now it's like every 14-year-old throwing 95, and it's just ridiculous. But um, you throw 90 miles per hour, and they're not going to, you know, you're going to the mound. And so when I got to college, I was put on the mound. I didn't get to hit nothing. And so it just slowly started to kind of the passion kind of went away. Um mm-hmm like that kid passion for the game of baseball where you just love playing. It was once a week. If you did good, it was like a relief. If you did bad, it was like the coaches, you know, all these adjustments and what are you doing wrong and different stuff like that. And the passion was kind of going. So there was no regret. And to this day, there's still no real regret for not signing uh, because it would have been a pitcher. It would have been that same mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, this is just a personal reflection. There's tons of guys out there that absolutely, I saw them. I saw them every day that love to pitch and love to do that whole thing. And um, for me, it just, I like running around. I like sliding. I like diving, making plays. And so, no, no real regrets. And um, I just started to look at baseball and all sports in a different light, in a more positive light, that it's not just about the playing. There's so many people around the sport in so many different capacities, you know, the front office people, the coaches, consultants, sports psychologists, mm-hmm. and different things. And so I just knew from pretty early on in life, even before the transition started to happen, passion for playing wise, where I knew I was going to be around sports in some capacity. And I was guessing that it would be around the business side and the analytics side, because I've always been a fan of math. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, Plotted my time and was patient, looked for the right opportunities and kept my connections in the game. And um, an opportunity with Jager Sports came pretty pretty early on. There wasn't too much doubt in your mind is what you're saying then as far as you finding a job in, in the sport that you love uh, at the time and you were just kind of figuring out what was out there and you started your networking and you know it brought you back to, uh, ironically, back to the beginning of where you started your, your training as a pitcher. Uh, to, to Jager Sports. Right. How did that go down? Alan's, Alan's a good friend of mine, and uh, I know as well as you, and we um, you know, talked for uh, years when I had my academy back in, in Southern California there in Sherman Oaks, and I was just wondering, how did, uh, how did that first conversation go when you came back? As, how old were you, first of all? And uh, walk, walk us through how that went through. Like, uh, you know, did you ask for a job, or was it one of those things where he, he found you and said, you want to be my model and come out and demonstrate this program, or how did that go down? Yeah, so um, that first camp when I was 12, 
he came to the last day of the clinic and saw me throw, and he just, he saw something, he told my dad, he's like, your son's going to throw very hard someday, and he has that knack of being able to look at talent, he's seen arms his whole life, and so we just kind of stayed in contact, I went to camps kind of every year, mm-hmm. um, and stayed with the training, and him and I developed a relationship, so he followed me in high school, and then through college, and even in high school, I was, like, if, if the schedule worked out, I would go do some of the long toss demonstrations at their clinics. Um, and so I just started to kind of work in that capacity for them where I would do long toss demonstrations at clinics. And then in 2011, when I was getting ready to graduate college, he asked me to go to a baseball game with him. And so I went to the baseball game and I didn't know at the time, but it was kind of like a little makeshift job interview. And we were walking out to the car and he goes, I want you to come work for us in some capacity. And I was like, okay, because I, I had no idea when I was just getting ready to graduate college, I had no idea what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when he was going to offer me a quote-unquote job, it was limited hours, very limited um, financial help. And I was 23 at this point, and I wanted to get started. I wanted to attack uh, the business world, the career world. And so there was a ton of doubt in what I should do. I had a bunch of people tell me, don't start there because it's a small business. There's not huge room for growth and this and that. But, you know, that's why I'm a big believer in fate. Um, because I just had a feeling from the very beginning that it could be a massive company. It could impact a lot of lives. It was already impacting a ton of lives, but there was just a ton of business potential there. Um, a business bubble ready to burst in a great way. And, uh, I just plotted my time, man. I was patient and, um, I don't think it matters to share the details. Now I started at four hours a week for $10 an hour. So I was capped at 40 bucks a week. And, uh, that's the power of passion. I just had a passion for the program because I lived it and I've never, um, 18 years later, I'm still with the company and I haven't felt like I've worked since I started working there. So that's great. I tell you that that says a lot about your intuition as well by you know looking at uh, you know Alan and Jim, uh, the owners of the company, and knowing that you're in the right spot, you're you know you're under the right wings, so to speak. And if you put right. in, put in your time and your hard work and continue to follow your passion, like you said, you know things are all going to work out. You know, and uh, it, and it has for you as, as as you're telling us. That's that's incredible, man. And that's you know a lot of people. Um, they give up too soon, you know. They look at that, and, I, and I'm sure the people that that doubted that job for you, those those were people that loved you and probably said, you know, hey, man, uh, you know, I don't know, this company doesn't look like it's, uh, you know, very successful, and and you were, you know, smart enough or like I said, intuitive enough to know that, hey, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna put in my hours, whether it's four hours a week or 10 hours or 40 hours a week and see what happens. And here you are uh, seven years later and you're the vice president of the company. And I know you have a lot more uh, responsibility, you know, today than you did then. And, and I know you're responsible for a lot of the, uh, you know, sales that are going on. So um, share with us a little bit about what's going on with, uh, with all the stuff at Jager Sports right now. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the ride. It really has. Um, just looking, I do a lot of the financial math, which I love, and the analytics, the business analytics. So I get to look at the statistics year over year and kind of what's happening. And then obviously just the 
social media support and everything like that, but basically in the last five years, it's just um, the bands have exploded. Changing to colors, color bands really helped because teams can get their colors, the kids love it, and uh, that's been a huge thing for us. And then um, we got into Dick Sporting Goods, I guess two winters ago. So the winter of 2015, we started those negotiations and they put us in 60 stores and then they put us in 74 and 128 or something like that. And it just kind of kept evolving. And two weeks ago, we um, came to terms with them that they're going to put us in all 720 uh, Dick Sporting Goods locations, which wow. is awesome. That's incredible. Um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And then, um, Watching the evolution of Amazon, we have an Amazon distributor, and that machine is just incredible in terms of, you know, they just, the amount of quantity they can do, it's like people go there more than jagersports.com because people live on amazon.com, and yeah, it's just been cool. It's just been cool where the bands are almost a necessity. I think last year, 136 Division One programs um bought the bands for their teams and we had seven out of eight college world series teams so wow and then hunter green was the number two pick which he was i remember him as a little eight-year-old doing yoga he's been with us forever and so it's just a lot a lot of positive stuff that is all rooted in passion really it's it's three guys that just have a passion for you know, we believe in the product, and it's more than just a piece of rubber. It's a program, and yeah. it's just a pretty cool environment, and just trying to genuinely help people on a daily basis, and the financial part will take care of itself. I mean, that's kind of life. You just trust the process and be a good human, and the results will usually take care of themselves. So, Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more uh, with that statement right there. You know, everyone says that, find something you love to do, and you don't have to worry about paying the bills. You know, I, I've always been a supporter of, uh, of of the Jager bands, and as a coach, have used them in every every aspect of my you know training as well, from from the young guys all the way up to the pro guys. And uh, there's always a group of of individuals that you know when they see it happening, like you know they kind of give you that raised eyebrow. Whoa, whoa, what's this all about? What are you guys doing here? You know, so it just seems like even with the popularity that you had and the growth over the last few years, and you know, phenomenal numbers there, being in all the Dick Sporting Goods there in the West Coast, and um, you know, like you said, Amazon. There's just there's still such a big big audience out there that you know, I'm sure has no idea it even exists. And they're, you know, we're, yeah. we're making ball players every day as we speak. So, you know, they're, your job security is looking good there, bud. <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, right? Let's hope so. And yeah. uh, so speaking of Amazon, um, you've got the uh, the bands that you can purchase on Amazon, but uh, I'm going to segue over into another little item that you've got on, on Amazon there. Would you care to uh, explain that one? Uh-oh. Yeah. Do I know about it? Is this well, the, uh... I did a little digging under the uh, books category uh, on, oh, on no. Amazon. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, no, that that's funny. That caught me off guard because <laughs> I, was, I was in Jager sports mode. But, yeah, so... I switched on you, yeah. June yeah, that was good. June 19th, 2016. So last year, Father's Day, um, I launched my book. So it's called Off the Field. Um, carving your own path to find your best self, which was basically what we're talking about on this podcast is 
this uh, this show right here. It's basically just my journey and what I kind of learned through life, um, through the game of baseball and why I played so long, you know, wasn't really all for myself. It was for my family and friends that told me it's what I should be doing when I knew the passion was kind of going away playing-wise and I wanted to mentor and coach and different stuff like that and just life skills. You know, you, you're around so many elite individuals in the world of athletics. You get to see what works for people. You get to be around a bunch of different coaches that some of them are awesome. Some of them can't tie their own shoes and they're incompetent, but you <laughs> learn from both and just kind of put the lessons down on paper and um, just different skills and things to use. And really it was, you know, it's, it's a great kind of gut check for people just to, am I being self-disciplined? Am I pursuing my passion? Am I focusing too much on my past? Am I living in the moment? Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a lot of it was I just wanted everybody that had been around my baseball career because there was such a great support group and so many people that were living and dying with my decisions just wanted to get my thought process out there so that there wasn't any gray area of like, why would you stop playing when you were that talented or, right. you know, there's just so many layers of people that haven't been in or around the game that they don't understand. It's not just the game. There's a ton. It's 365 days. It's, it's yeah. a lot of stuff. So it's a good read. It's funny. I read it um, now and I'm like, man, I'm, I can write better than that. But uh, <laughs> it was a fun Fun process and book number two should uh, be coming soon. That's that's great. Yeah. No, I'm I'm actually a little embarrassed myself that I haven't had a chance to read it because I just found out about it. And of course, uh, being a you know the interviewer here, I, that should be something that I have already researched and knew about. But I just I I found it. Um, actually, I was looking through some of your Facebook posts from a while back, and I think you posted the anniversary. Um, you know, from Father's Day, like you said, you wrote it on Father's Day, released it on Father's Day. And I went, oh, man, he's got a book out? I didn't know that. And so I went on Amazon. Yeah, don't buy it. Don't buy it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man, I, I got to read that. And and then I read the, yeah. you know, I read the synopsis about it and, and the whole, you know, what it's about. And I was like, oh, that is that's right up my alley. You know, every, everything. Yeah, you'll, yeah. <laughs> you'll enjoy it. Uh, and then, okay, so going in from the book on to uh, your podcast, uh, which, again, just, just learned about um, today, as a matter of fact, and listened to a few ep- episodes before our phone call today so I could kind of uh, get a little bit of uh, background on that. Man, I loved it. I, I you know scanned around a couple of different es- episodes and listened to uh, a few of them, and it's called The Pursuit of Perfection. Uh, for those of you that want to write that down and check it out on iTunes, it's The Pursuit of Perfection, and... Um, that is your podcast along with, I forgot the other gentleman's name that's, that's doing it with you. Tell us a little bit about that, China. Yeah, so Tim Dixon and I um, met through Jager Sports, and it was just one of those connections, kind of like when I talked to you. It's just you realize you're like-minded individuals that want the same things. You want to live a full life, and you want to help a bunch of people. And mm-hmm. him and I always wanted to do something um, in some capacity with each other, and I think it took about three or four years, and we're like, let's just do a podcast. And so it's called the Pursuit of Perfection Podcast, and really the title is, you know, perfection in life never exists. Perfection does not exist, but the pursuit of perfection is what's necessary to get you to the top. Like, you want to hold yourself to high standards, but being realistic that you're never going to be perfect. And 
So we're just we're 45 weeks in. It comes out every Sunday about 9 a.m. Um, and the beautiful thing about everything now is everything's on demand streaming. So mm-hmm. you can listen to any episode at any time. But yeah, it's just basically how to maximize life. We talk about a lot of different topics. We just did an episode about avoidance and how we we all. We all tend to procrastinate and avoid confrontation when, if you just face things quicker, um, they're easier to resolve. And so episodes like that, we have guests on from time to time, and it's just fun. It's fun to talk to him. We do it off the mic, and we figured, why not record it? So, yeah, thepoppod.com is where we host the podcast. And then, yeah, if you go to iTunes and you search China McCartney or the Pursuit of Perfection podcast, it'll come up, and it's free and explicit at times. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so, I'm definitely going to be checking yeah. that out and uh, you know listening to the rest of those uh, episodes when I get a chance here. So current projects, uh, that would be one of them that you're continuing to work on. So you got a full-time gig at Jager Sports. You're, you know, busting your butt over there in sales and marketing and analytics and, you know, the business end of things, uh, you know, keeping that going. You've got the podcast you're doing once a week. You already are a um, published author and working on book number two. Is that what you said? You're, you're already writing that one? I am. I'm, uh, I've got... Everything in place, now it's just about grinding away and getting the content. All the chapter lists are there, the bullet points, kind of how I wrote my last one. Mm-hmm. And then it's just putting in the time, whenever that creative bubble is on, you just got to sit down and go for it. But yeah, so book number two, I don't have a timetable or anything, but maybe the beginning of 2018, something like that. That's great. Is, and now, so, was your first one self-published? Self-published, yep. Attaway. Self-published and... On Amazon and everything like that, and yeah. I'll probably do the same with this one just because it was such an easy, easy process, easy for people to access, and mm-hmm. you can control everything that way. That's great. Yeah, that's the way to go. So, right? uh, and so, if, yeah. that, if that wasn't enough stuff on your plate already, uh, you've also um, just recently been accepted for a foundation that you started. I'm not. I don't even want to say it because I want you to tell me when it, when you started this idea for Triple uh, AD, which is Athletes Against Anxiety and Depression, um, which is how you and I got connected. Because once I saw your first Facebook post on that, um, you know, again, I had known who you were over the years through through Alan and through Jager and through the videos. I saw you as a young high school player on those videos doing the demonstration, and you know, again, knew who you were. But once I saw this first uh, Facebook fo- uh, post. I said, I got to meet this guy in person. We got to get together. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about athletes against anxiety and depression. Yeah. So something very near and dear to my heart. Um, I suffer from anxiety, uh, panic attacks, and um, it's been about a eight year journey for me since I had my first panic attack. I had no idea what it was when I was, uh, it was 2009. So I was 22 years old and you know, <clears throat> that first one, you think you're dying. You have no idea what's going on. You get all hot. You can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And went to the doctor, kind of explained it, and, like, panic attacks and just random, really. And so it's been an off-and-on journey for years. It, it started to get bad again about three or four years ago. And, you know, it sends you into a, a dark spiral because you're embarrassed by it. And then you start to avoid situations that may give you anxiety or panic or whatnot. And... It took about a year for me to get to a spot where it's like, no, 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 
you're going to attack this like you attack everything else. It's just a part of who you are. It's not all of who you are. Look at this in a positive way and let's go forward. And so I started to get uh, real good help with a good uh, counselor, started to just be open about it with friends and family. Like, this is what I'm going through. It's just something I have. Oh, well. And then uh, it turned into last year for November. Um, I did a little social media, really just a, a fun social media thing in November for No Shave November. And then I challenged people to run 100 miles in uh, 30 days uh, just to raise awareness and kind of post with certain hashtags. And we raised almost uh, 1500 bucks in that little movement. And more than that was the people that contacted me on Facebook, on text, that, of course, they were like, don't say, don't tell anybody I'm having this conversation with you, but I struggle really bad with anxiety or depression. And these were business owners, very successful people that you would never think were dealing with it. And they're mm -hmm. like, please don't stop ever what you're doing. And so because of the, the outpouring of uh, passion and support, I'm like, okay, well, this is a beautiful responsibility you have now. You need to do this the right way. And so I got lawyers because I don't know how to do any of that, and they're smarter, um, and uh, had them file all the paperwork to do a, a 5013C nonprofit organization called Athletes Against Anxiety and Depression. Um, I partnered with the Anxiety and Depression Association of America because a lot of the funds we're going to raise early on we don't have courses or resources in place yet. So an organization like them, they're doing, you know, clinical trials, all kinds of events and uh, free therapy for people. So, yeah, it just kind of happened in a five-month stretch where it's like it went from a cool little movement to now it's a fully functioning foundation with some big plans in the future. Wow. I encourage everybody out there listening right now, if um, you have any experience with, uh, with what China is talking about with anxiety, uh, depression, bipolar, anything, uh, you're not alone. There are just, there's, there's tons of people out there. And, and like you said, it's nothing to be embarrassed about, nothing to be ashamed about. In fact, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I had five or six panic, panic attacks, China, before I even knew what it was. Um, yeah. You know, that was, you know, when you say that, it brought me, it brought me back to different parts in my life where I knew what depression was, you know, when you can't get out of bed for two or three days and you're thinking about jumping off the balcony and all that kind of stuff, you know, I mean, we joke about it now, but I, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, that's easy to recognize, but I think anxiety is a little bit tougher and the panic attack thing is um, a little bit tougher to, to recognize in yourself because, you know, it just, it comes on you so quick and, and you're not really sure is it, am I, do I have the flu? Am I hung over? Uh, you know, what's the deal? And uh, I know at least that's yeah. the way it was was with me and then looking back on my life and thinking about when when those things happened it's like wow uh i'm pretty sure that was a not a heart attack that was a panic attack um yeah but uh yeah so you know please i encourage anybody out there to check it out and it's is it triple ad.org do i get that right so it's it's triple adf so athletes against anxiety and depression foundation so triple adf.org um and if you google athletes against anxiety and depression you can find it that way and yeah, you can contact me anytime. I mean, that's half the battle is just reaching out and telling your story and yeah. being honest about it, telling the whole story. Um, but that's when things started to change for me in a positive way where it's like you're hiding. Hiding it is almost more work than just being honest about it. It is more work because yeah, you're basically sure. lying to yourself and lying to others. 
And the second you can just be like, you know what? Because the second you start to say, yeah, I deal with anxiety or I'm not feeling great right now, I'm having a little bit of panic, people are like, me too. I have that too. You have that? And it's like, oh, I'm not alone. So it makes it a lot better. No, and you've got some great resources on the site there and and, uh, some articles and links and uh, tips for you know, what to do when you're experiencing that, you know, I love the, the breathing exercises and, you know, all the, all the different things that you can do to, you know, bring yourself down or, or, you know, self-talk your, you know, self out of that feeling if, if it's coming on you and it's all great stuff. I was like you, I was kind of doing the same thing with, you know, searching for a way to give back and a way to, um, you know, share experiences in a positive way and, and find other people that are going through the same types of things that you are. And it's amazing when you go looking for that, how, how many people are like you said oh you have that too so do i it, yeah it's, i mean it's, yeah it's you know um and go ahead yeah and no i was just gonna say and it's amazing like in all walks of life that's what i love about the process is i'm talking about really really successful business owners that are coming to me like i have oh, panic yeah. attacks social anxiety i have this i've been depressed and it's like Everybody looks at mental health issues a lot of the time as, like, this negative, like, oh, well, that person, you can't, like, they think that mental health issues in a successful life can't coincide, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's like, oh, absolutely, you're living your life with, like, this little buddy, this little buddy named anxiety and named depression comes along in your successful life, and it's, it's tough, and you battle it, but I think the more that we can embrace it and create a culture where we can talk about it like you and I are talking about it, yeah. where it's not where people make fun of people because they have it. That's the problem. Exactly. Or people, like in, it's in sports especially, you're taught, like, you got to be macho, don't show emotion, and if you're going through anxiety oh. or nervous, you get called soft, and it's like, that's what's got to change. Absolutely, man. You are spot on with that, and that's why I love that you threw the athletes part in there because, uh, you know, obviously you, there are plenty of, just everyday people, like you said, businessmen, uh, you know, housewives or house, you know, dads or this or that that are going through it already. But I like that you, you know, put in the athletes part of it for that reason, what you just said, because, you know, athletes are taught to be macho and don't be soft. And, you know, it's 2017, kids, we need to break the barrier here. It's, uh, it's something that's, you know, everyone's experiencing, not everyone, but a lot of people are experiencing and it definitely needs to be addressed. And when we can talk about it like this, it just makes it so much easier. I mean, there's, you know, there's, you know, there's up days there's down days and there's days where you go through thinking you got the world you know under control and you can do anything and then wham all of a sudden you're slammed back to earth and you can't figure out how to get out of bed or everything you're doing seems to be wrong you know so that's when it's great to have a support system and someone that you can pick up the phone or text out to or you know hey let's get together for lunch uh and it's amazing how quickly um you can you know those symptoms can subside uh once you get in the right right spot great stuff man really excited to uh see where this this takes us down the road too i'm looking to get you know a lot more involved with that um yeah absolutely very cool so i got a couple of questions here that might throw you off topic just for a second but uh what can you tell me and this is just a personal question i wanted to throw out you what what is what is one habit that you're trying to break right now or is there a habit that you're trying to form or create can be either one or both if you want i would say for me it's and i don't know that this is yeah it's a habit i guess it would be the i'm trying to create better self-talk so more positive self-talk, like more encouraging, because I'm like, 
the reason the podcast is a pursuit of perfection. I'm a perfectionist for the most part, and any little mistake that I make, I'm very hard on myself, and I'll use it um, where it'll it'll create this re- rear view mirror type thought process where I'm I'm looking back at other mistakes that I made. It's like, yeah, see, you're doing the same thing you did before, um, and so I would say the habit I'm trying to form is just being more positive just in life in general, uh, being more compassionate towards others, trying to see things from other people's point of view, realizing there's not only one way to live life. It's not, no one has it figured out perfectly and you, you got to just be encouraging, um, positivity, compassion, and, uh, gratefulness I'd say is stuff I'm working on currently that I, I battle with cause I have a hard time with, uh, <laughs> a lack of common sense and laziness. With people, I, I, I'm not always compassionate towards that, but uh, that would be that would be my short answer. That's great. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. And you're figuring it out at 30 years old, brother. I tell you, you are way ahead of me. <laughs> I wish I would have figured that out uh, that early of an age. But when you're yeah. going through these changes, and you know, is there anybody that you can think of off the top of your head that you look up to or that you try to emulate when it comes to creating these new habits? Um, there's a lot of people. I mean, my dad's always been kind of my hero. Um, we, he, he had a rough, um, during my early childhood with my mom and their marriage and he got divorced and lost his business and just his ability to just stay positive, stay, I mean, it's, it's enviable. And so he's always been someone that I've tried to emulate for sure. Tim Dixon, um, has changed my life quite a bit just because he's always pushing himself. He's always trying to evolve. Um, and I love people like that, that every day is a challenge. Every day is an opportunity and let's live as many of those as good as we can until we're no longer on this earth. Um, and then, I mean, I take a lot of, I like like motivational speakers and like Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Tim Ferriss, uh, a lot of, like just lessons from books that you'll learn. I like my philosophy on life is the more research and education you can do, the more ingredients you'll have to your own recipe to be yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really want to be anybody else. I want to take as many good things as I possibly can from as many amazing people and use it in my recipe to be as amazing as I can be in my genuine form. So I don't want to copycat or anything like that, but um, my dad would definitely be at the top of the list. And then, uh, from there, it's a whole bunch of guys like you that are just pushing the world forward. So that yeah. would be, uh, where I land on that. Yeah, that's a great answer. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, just those three names you threw out there with, uh, Robbins, Gary V and Tim Ferriss, again, uh, three guys that I love to, uh, follow as well. And, and, uh, yeah. you know, I couldn't agree more with you, man. The more you're learning, the, the better off you are. And, that's right. That's one of the chapters in the book, Focus Forward. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, this is great stuff. Yeah. This has uh, been a really great treat for me to, to get to know you a little bit more, China, and find out what's going on. And if baseball you know, wasn't your passion and didn't end up being your career and what you're doing, what else would you be pursuing right now? What I know you said you're a math guy, but what other career could you see yourself excelling at if baseball was never invented? That is a great question. So, assuming I'm going to try to answer it in a in an awesome way, because I'm not going to take the easy way out and say like the same thing in football. I'm going to 
as if sports never got invented at all. There so you go. I like that. If there were no sports, I would have to say I would probably doing I would have probably pursued like finance and data analytics, like figuring out how to make companies optimize their efficiency and increase their net mm-hmm. net profit, um, and just maximize their you know, efficiency and how they're spending their money, how they're allocating their resources. I think I would have been pretty good at that, just analyzing Mm -hmm. situations as a whole and figuring out how each part is kind of making up that whole and can we tweak any little part of of that to make it work better. Um, I think that's probably where I would have landed. I probably would have got into finance or something like that. And uh, that's, you know, in a weird way, that's kind of what I ended up doing. That's what I do for Jager Sports. It mm-hmm. just, um, it's not my degree, but it's my passion is financial math and data analytics. And uh, that's definitely where I would have pursued. Nice. I'll let you go here after you give us one little bit of advice uh, to the listeners, like I said, out there, someone that might be driving to the job that they can't stand right now, and they, they're sitting here thinking, man, if I could coach Little League or if I could coach high school or maybe if I could be a scout in uh, you know, my area, how do I go about that? What, what little bit of advice would you give them besides the uh, you know, follow your passion kind of thing? Let's say they've already figured it out, but they just don't know the steps to take. Do you have anything that you could share with them? I start small and start somewhere. Um, Google is the most powerful um, engine we have, and it's I've done it for a lot of my buddies that have been in bad spots where they're working a brutal construction job or something, and they're not doing anything with their passion. I'm like, what's your freaking zip code? What's your passion? And so they'll give me their passion. Uh, It's hockey in Houston, Texas. So I search hockey, Houston, Texas, bunch of youth leagues, why don't you go over there and see if you can volunteer coach and see if that develops into something. Um, start with small steps, and you can bring passion into your life. I think that's one of the biggest things we talk about all the time on our podcast is people always feel stuck. And, you know, whether it's after work to start helping out coach, you, there's enough people in your life where there's going to be an opportunity to get into your passion. If it's art, you know, maybe start doing a project on the weekend. Um but it's really a responsibility for yourself. And if you're younger and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, my biggest, biggest advice would be to hold off as long as you can before you take that job. Like one of my best friends back in the past took a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car because he needed money to take his girlfriend out. Mm-hmm. And he left the game of baseball wow. to do this. And the money was good at that age, but he never got back to baseball and he never got back to his passion. And so if you're young... Try to stay in, in your passion in some way, shape, or form. And then if you're a little older and you're in a career and it's not necessarily lined up with your passion, it doesn't mean you have to quit your job tomorrow. But right. just start to do the work. Start to do the research in your area, different ways to bring passion back into your life, back into your relationships. And, you know, as brutal as it sounds, it's on you. It's all on you. you got to take That's that right. responsibility seriously and your life is going to be as filled as you make it. And so, you know, however you can bring it, bring it into your life, you just got to do it. And, um, my, the short answer for an action step would be, I, as simple as it gets, do a Google search. If it's something to do with coaching or it's something to do, see what organizations are around you, around your area 
and then just send out an email or go by there and just see if there's any way you could be involved. Um, if it's something like sports or something like that, if it's not, if that's not the passion, then, you know, if it's cars or artwork or something like that, like I said, do it after work, do it on the weekends, but we all got to have passion in our lives or else, you know, what is there to live for, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I agree 100%. And, and uh, you're the one that chooses it. Every morning you wake up out of bed. I did it this morning. I, I, I stayed there and I looked at the alarm clock at 645 and I said I could stay here and sleep in the rain for another hour and a half and then kick myself later. Or I can get my butt up, jump in the shower, go hit the gym, and be back here and have my breakfast done before my wife and daughter gets up. And that's exactly what I did. It's oh, my, boom. It's my choice, right? It's my choice. It's your yeah. choice every day. And it's such an easy thing when you think about it. Like, like I'm choosing to be happy today. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to, you know, whine about this or that or or be pissed off about this because you just switch your mind. And, you know, and I, I mean, I'm not saying it happens for me every single time. I mean, there's times where I lose that battle. And, uh, you know, but like you said, you, you got to keep believing in it. You got to keep sticking to it. And it's all about creating the habits. So yeah. that's great. Oh, man, that's so well said. One, you know what? I just I was about to say, China, we'll see you later. And I forgot to uh, get the reason or the where the nickname came from. I mean, I know because oh, I know because yeah. I read an article on you back in uh, when you were a high schooler. And but can you just? I want to hear it from your mouth. Where where did China come from? It's an interesting nickname. Yeah. So it was my first word when I was a baby. My dad was trying to get me to say champion as my first word, and I failed. Um, I could say the CH sound, and that was about it. And so we went to different CH words and got to China, and I said it. And uh, he got all excited, and I saw that he was excited. And so I just kept saying it, China, China, China. <laughs> and uh, he started to call me China Champion. Um, and then on my first soccer team, I think all three forwards were named Ryan. Oh, um, so they asked if I had a nick. Yeah, they asked if I had a nickname, and he said, well, I call him China Champion, and they shortened it to China. And uh, here we are about 25 years later, and my mom, my stepmother, my sister, and I think my ex-girlfriend are the only ones that call me Ryan now. Everybody knows me as China. So um, <laughs> Stuck I, with you. I, I hated it when I was younger, and I love it now because it's unique and you can't forget it. Yeah, man. I, great. <laughs> That's a great little story, yeah. man. So it all came from you not being able to say champion. Yeah, it all came from me failing my first verbal task in life. There so. you go. Hence, <laughs> hence the long road to perfection, right? After that? That's right. Everybody that's listening right now, I hope you enjoyed this interview uh, with my friend Ryan China McCarney. Uh, well, I tell you, there's um, a lot of great things going on uh, out there in the world today. So I hope the rest of you that are listening here will take a little bit of this interview, enjoy it, pass it on to your friends, share it if you like it. If you don't like it, forget about it and go on about your day. Um, but, you better uh, like it. Yeah. I just want to wrap this up for you, China, and, and let you get going. And again, thank you very much, my friend, for coming on here and spending an hour with us on your Sunday there in beautiful Manhattan Beach, California. So uh, I'll let you run back out to the beach and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> it was my pleasure, Nick. I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you haven't had a chance, please check out the website over at www.worldbaseballexperience.com. 
That's all spelled out. And I think you'll find some interesting information over there, including the most recent world rankings. So if you're into that kind of stuff, international baseball, blogs, pictures, videos, it's all right there. So if you could, please do me a favor and pass this on to any other Seamhead friends of yours that you run into. And if you don't like it, well, then just keep it to yourself and move about your day. Thanks again. I've been your host, Nick Holmes, and I'll see you next time. Take care.